You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Let's dive into a brand new episode. Before we get started on this episode, here's a not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed here. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 25 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. Steve isn't nor does he offer any legal advice. For any legal advice, you must speak with a lawyer. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and search for author Steve Worsley. You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, you're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with myself, Steve Worsley. Today, we are on episode 202. Just had Easter. So I hope all of you had a wonderful Easter. Uh, I know last week we were talking about all the snow we've gotten in Wyoming and Utah. And this last week was another another one for the books. Down in Utah, they got, they got quite a bit of snow up in Casper, Wyoming, which is, uh, it's not our capital, but it's actually our largest city. They got a record 24 hours. They got 27 inches of snow. So yes, over two feet of snow. So it's a great, uh, great start to to spring, I guess. Not really, but anyhow. So it, it it's actually brings up a really good topic. Uh, this week's topic is sump pumps. And as I said, those of you that are dealing with all this moisture, you know, a lot of you probably have never thought you had a need for sump pumps, nor did you think you would. Uh, But with all this moisture, it's something that you've probably heard about and called some contractors to deal with the moisture you're dealing with, flooded basements, just standing water in your yards. And the term sump pumps probably been brought up a lot. And so I think, you know, it's it's interesting. I I choose these subjects well in advance, uh, you know, to write to write all my content, uh, just to get stuff prepared, schedule everything. So sump pumps was just something I thought I'd talk about in the spring, but ironically, we're talking about it when it's out west here. It's It's been very, very wet. And so those of you that normally wouldn't be worried about sump pumps are probably thinking about it. You know, one of the questions that I, that I 
obviously would think that you would have as listeners and some of the questions I always I always hear is, you know, what is a sump pump and where would you typically see one? You know, by definition, a sump pump is a device that removes liquid from a lower level and it pumps it to a higher level. So that would be, you know, somewhere like a crawl space, a sump pit. Let's just say you, you hear of a pit. Well, you know, when we talk about mechanical things, so when you go to a mechanic or you go get your oil changed, they have what's called a pit. Similar uh, as far as elevations, kind of what we talk about when we say sump pit, you know, it's something that's in a lower area so that you can uh, get all the water to go to that pit. And then you have a pump in there that's, you know, some of them are designed to run on a float, some are pressure, but those pumps kick on when wherever you have the float set or how much ever pressure's on it. And it pumps that water to a higher elevation. Typically, you want to pump it out to, well, I shouldn't say typically. Ideally, you want to pump it out to your your gutters at your street. Uh, if you live in a rural area, you just want to get it out. You know, maybe you have a pond, retention pond. Maybe you just live on a hill. You just want to get all that water away from you. So that's what a sump pump is. And, you know, where you see them around your house is... Could be in many areas, could be in your basement, uh, could be, like I said, in a crawl space, could be outside, could be in the corner of your yard, you know, could be at the corner of your foundation right next to the house. So that's what sump pumps are, and that's where you would typically find them. That doesn't mean uh, that's where you would always find them, but, you know, that should give you a good idea. So I'm sure a lot of you are wondering, since this is the Toxic Mold Podcast, well, you know, what do sump pumps have to do with mold? Well, we cannot talk about mold infestations without covering something that I hope a lot of you loyal listeners already know this. Those of you that are new, here's going to be some new information for you. But for those of you that have listened for a long time, I'm just going to repeat something you already know. But mold infestations, and when I say mold infestations, at some point they had to have been viable. A lot of times you'll hear me refer to things as viable or dormant, non-viable or inactive, however you want to word things that's that's up to you but anyhow a mold infestation has to have three major components for it to become a viable mold infestation and i guess my point is with the infestation it had to have been viable to create that infestation so you have to have three things you have the the mold spores themselves which for the most part you know you can't really get rid of those you can um obviously there are facilities operating rooms and and labs and things like that where you could get rid of mold spores Um, but for the most part in your homes your workplaces schools you're not going to get rid of mold spores so you have the mold spores that are going to be naturally present and once again when i say naturally present we're only saying mold spores not mold infestations second thing you have to have for viable mold growth or to have a mold infestation created would be 60% humidity for i typically say 48 hours uh some microbiologists will say, you know, 24 hours, uh, mold can become viable and start reproducing. For the most part, you know, I just say 48, just because most molds that we see inside homes, it takes two days for it to uh, become viable. And the third thing you have to have is a food source. So typically that would be, you know, I usually say cellulose materials, but organic materials, it has to have a food source. And those organic materials would be things like wood, insulation, sheetrock, your furniture, paper, um, things like that. You know, things that wouldn't be organic would be things, or, you know, when I'm talking about it as a mold specialist, would be things like concrete, tile, uh, grout, things like that. 
So the three things it must have, the mold spores, 60% humidity for 48 hours, and a food source, which would be uh, cellulose organic materials for it to eat on. My point is with, with sump pumps is that 60% humidity for 48 hours, that will probably happen. And those of you that are dealing with moisture right now in flooded basements, you have high humidity. So a defective sump pump or a lack of any sort of sump setup would lead to elevated humidity, which would also lead to mold infestation. So a sump pump is very, very important uh, when it comes to mold prevention. And, you know, like I said earlier, you know, typically this, this episode was to educate a lot of you as to what sump pumps are, but most of you that don't have a need for sump pumps probably would have tuned us out. But ironically, with this wet spring we're having out west, it, it's kind of on the top of everybody's minds. And like I was saying earlier, you know, we've had a lot of moisture and we're not even into the melt-off yet. Once we have the melt-off, I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to start seeing flooding, uh, you know, from all the tributaries coming off the mountains. It's going to be interesting. Hopefully, you know, as listeners, if you guys and gals have any questions or concerns, you know, you can reach out to me. But anyhow, it's 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 kind of ironic that we're talking about sumps and right now you can't hardly buy a sump pump at a local hardware store. I'm sure those of you that have sump pump setups are fairly, I would hope, <laughs> familiar with your setup. Typically, as I said earlier, you have a sump pit. That pit, depending on your setup, let's just... I'll give you a scenario where I think a lot of our listeners, the setup they would have, let's say it's a crawl space and you have a sump pump down there because you have a higher water table in your soils or moist soils. And typically you would put that sump pit in the lowest part of your crawl space. If not, you would obviously have either a drain tile system or French drains that drain into that sump pit. And then obviously in that sump pit, you have a sump pump and the water accumulates in there. As I said before, depending on how the pump is activated, it will kick on. It'll pump the water, get it rid of hopefully most of the water in that crawl space so that you don't have elevated humidity levels in that crawl space. As far as where it's supposed to go, uh, that's what this part of the episode I'll, I'll explain to you is, you know, how difficult is it to... If you don't have, you know, if you're listening and you do not have that you're aware of a sump pit or any sort of drain tile system, French drains, you have no, no sump set up at all. And you, you chronically, not just this spring, but you know, every spring for a couple months, you have a lot of water standing in your crawl space and you're wondering like, well, how difficult and how expensive would it be to install a, a sump setup? I kind of went over the three major things that you need for uh, mold growth or mold infestations. But when it comes to the sump setup, I'll just kind of go over the three main things you need. You need the sump pump itself, you need a sump pit, and then obviously you need an area for that water to be discharged to. Because one thing I see quite often, and you know, for a lot of people, they think that it's serving its purpose, but if you have a sump pump in your crawl space, or let's just say it's in a basement and it's pumping water out, but it's it's terminating or discharging and, and dumping the water just six feet away from your foundation, that water's probably going to make its way back down into that crawl space or into that basement. So you're you're more or less just recycling that water. 
So the termination point and where you dump that water is crucial. Uh, depending on where you live would really dictate where you can dump that water. Something we see quite often and I notify my clients of it, um, but I understand the reasoning behind it. A lot of times we do see a, a discharge pipe for sump pump that goes into the sewer and that is typically against code anywhere. You're not supposed to do it, but we see it often. And when I say I see it often and I don't think it's that big of a deal, it's at least getting rid of the water. Um, you know, that's not ideal. The ideal place to get rid of the water, as we touched on a little bit earlier, is if you have some sort of a retention pond, if you have... Uh, you know, they have these days, these, these rain barrels. If you have some sort of setup where you can actually get rid of that water to hold it, and then you can utilize that water at a later date to, to water your lawn or water plants, whatever you're going to use the water for is up to you. That would be ideal. Another ideal place would be, and most municipalities have it, you have to dump that water into the storm drain system, which those storm drains for the cities, counties, wherever you're at, those obviously are dumped in, in retention ponds. And then, you know, I don't know, the water could be used for irrigation or whatever you use it for. That is a crucial thing to keep in mind, but to kind of backtrack a little bit, the, the sump pump itself is obviously the main component of a sump pump sit up or, or sump pit and sump pump setup. And when you're looking at sump pumps, you know, when you go down to the, your local hardware store, you're looking, you're wondering, you know, what type of pump do I need? As I said earlier, the most common, probably most economical ones are on a float. And it's literally just a float that kind of looks like what you have in your toilet tanks. That float set for a certain elevation. Once the water hits that certain elevation, the pump kicks on, pumps the water out. So you want a sump that's typically ran on a float. Uh, you can get some, so as I said earlier, that are that are on a pressure switch, which they're a little more difficult to test, but you can still just dump water in the pit. The next thing, as I just said, is the pit itself. You need to make sure that you have a suitable sump pit, and that pit should obviously be bedded in gravel. It should have holes in it where the water can come in and uh, can be held, and then obviously it can be pumped out. You also need a discharge pipe, and when you install a discharge pipe on your sump pump, it is best, and when you buy, if you buy a whole kit, like say at Home Depot or Lowe's, a lot of times it'll come, not usually with the sump pit itself, um, but it will come with the sump pump, 25 feet of discharge pipe, and a, or a backflow preventer. And what that is for is so when it starts to pump, because Normally, you're going to be pumping it uphill. Once it pumps the water into the pipe, all that water in the pipe can't come back down into the pit once the sump kicks off. Otherwise, depending on the length of your pipe, you could have a, a lot of water that you just, your pump just keeps kicking on and off. So the three main things, the sump pump itself, three-quarter horsepower would be my suggestion. Make sure you have a discharge pipe that has a backflow preventer on it, and then make sure that you are pumping the water to an area where the water is not going to make its way back down into that sump pit. Ideally, like I said, if you could get it to your storm drain or just you know, six feet away from your house where the, the grade slopes away, as long as that water is not coming back into that sump pit, 
you're good. Another thing too, when we're talking about installing those, uh, when you plug those in, make sure that you do plug that into a GFCI, so ground fault circuit interrupter. A lot of you are probably familiar with those in your kitchens and your bathrooms. Make sure that you do plug it into a GFCI protected outlet just so that, you know, there's no grounding issues and no electrocution concerns. That's kind of quickly the setup and mainly that was talking about sump pumps. We didn't really talk about mold, but my concern is a lack of a proper sump pump, sump pit setup will lead and likely leads to mold. So my call to action is we don't have to rehash this, but spring is here. Didn't feel like it a week ago, but it's starting to warm back up. We're going to start seeing, you know, a lot of water runoff for those of you where you're not getting all this moisture. You're you're probably looking at us and going, man, it's been spring here for a couple weeks. Well, it hasn't been for us. So spring is coming. It's here and there's going to be a lot of standing water. So what I want you to do is go around your home. And when I say around your home, depending on the setup you have, if you have a basement, especially if it's unfinished, go down and check your basement. Make sure there's no standing water down there. If you have a crawl space, make sure you take a peek down in there. You don't even have to crawl in there. Just Poke your head down there with a flashlight. Make sure there's no standing water down there. Uh, if you have sump pumps, make sure you go activate those and test them. Make sure that they're working properly. Pretty quick, easy inspections you can do just to make sure that you don't have any standing water. Today, I'm going to promote what you're listening to, and that's this podcast. And sounds weird, like why would you promote this? But hopefully we cover a lot of things around your home that are beneficial to make sure you don't have mold concerns. We all know that mold can lead to uh, mold sickness. Then you have medical costs. You have missed time from work. You have mold mitigation costs. It can become very expensive. So do me a favor and go to five of your coworkers, five of your family members, and let them know about the Toxic Mold Podcast. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and I just got it uploaded or not sure what you'd call it, but I did the, the stuff on the back end to have it on Amazon Music. So tell your friends about the Toxic Mold Podcast. And this was episode 202. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you go to our website at cnccontractorservices.com and sign up for the mold investigation checklist. Again, go to cnccontractorservices.com and get your free mold investigation checklist today. You can also on cnccontractorservices.com find out more about Steve's courses and books and consultations. Once again, go to cnccontractorservices.com.